It's the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast with Jack Encarnacio and J.P. Sorrow. It's still real to me, damn it! The Lapsed Fan. In all my years in professional wrestling, I've never seen anything like it! Oh my God! Fan man, number one in the ring. Forget about the song, we the real king of swing. When the bell goes ding, you get kicked like me. Thrown in the corner, make it splash like sting. Even Jerry King would take off the crown. Nodding his head like it's D Low Brown. We get low down, but we go even higher. Flip you on your head, make you no cool driver. You be spitting more knowledge, dragon spits fire. Leave you more shocked than when Edge retires. Dropping more truth than a kind of sniper. Bless you with a coconut, Roddy Piper. Jack and JP be like JYD Drop the cupcakes and quote The brain by beans The best podcast from start to close If y'all benefit, here's a five second pose Boss, is it just me or is TLF back in the courtroom? Oh, I, I believe that we are I'm, I'm, I heard the gavel I heard the gavel I think it's time Two years after the trial of his life Invaded those feeds here at the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast. It, it's time to go back into the courtroom. This time, it's the we, trial of someone else's life. <laughs> of Dr. George Zaharian's life. The bow tied life of George Zaharian is now oh. firmly under the spotlight. And, boss, we're doing it for a very particular reason because. Yes, we are. Um, proud to say that the work we did in the trial of his life played no small part in the fact that the great documentary series Dark Side of the Ring on Vice will, at the end of October, be premiering an episode about the steroid trials, both the trials of Zaharian and, and mostly uh, Vince McMahon. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And, and, yeah, I mean, I think whenever it comes to us, it is no, no small part. That's where no small it's part. It's big and throbbing. <laughs> and if you're wondering um, if we're just, uh, you know, talking out of the thin blue sky about this, uh, no, we have brought on the executive producer and co-creator of Dark Side of the Ring, Evan Husney, who's going to talk to us about putting this episode together and a bit of a preview of what you can expect. Mm. Evan, it's great to have you on the show, man. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I know it's a little cliche, but big fans. Well, good. Fans. Love well, it. First time, long time, I, I think we can say. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's been an incredible series. I mean, we've we've enjoyed so many episodes and we've talked so much about them. And this one, um, man, we can vouch for how media subject this is and how tough mm. this must be mm. to tell this yeah. story. Can, can you start orienting our listeners a bit in terms of having tried to attack this before uh, the steroid trials and, and what it what actually led to it being consummated? Yeah, back when we uh, started developing Dark Side of the Ring, God, maybe four or five years ago, you know, we didn't have a title, The Dark Side of the Ring. That wasn't that didn't come until after season one was finished. And it was literally just us trying to capture the most historically significant moments in professional wrestling, the turning points, the real, you know. Like that's why the Montreal screw job is kind of part of the first season. What's not typically it kind of doesn't fit with the, you know, the dark and tragic side of, you know, the ring or, you know, but um, the steroid trials was this, this undeniable story, you know, probably the biggest out of the ring story in wrestling history of the nineties, uh, you know, and maybe arguably of, of all time. And uh, we just really wanted to cover it for the show and, and really do a deep dive into it. And my knowledge of it at the time was very surface level. You know, just kind of knew the facts about, you know, George Zahorian, the boys, the boys need their candies, you know, things like that, things that you've heard, mm. you know. Uh, and, and so we really started to research it during the first season when we were finally off the ground. And we started to talk to people, not really knowing that, you know, Sean O'Shea would, you know, not take our phone calls, you know, <laughs> and why George Zahorian might not be answering his phone and things like that. Um, and, and, and we, and we quickly found out that it was going to be a really hard story to tell. Nobody knew who we were. Nobody knew the show and we had no clout whatsoever in the wrestling space and we just didn't really get anywhere with it and we didn't get too far before we just kind of abandoned it. And then during season two, that sort of carried over a little bit because the first season made a little tiny splash in terms of people. I actually remember a funny thing is like when we did the Von Erich story, you know, and we put out the Von Erich story. That's how I discovered who you guys were. <laughs> oh, what what do we have to do with that subject? I know. Huh? Well, <laughs> it was just like you know, here we are promoting. We didn't, the, we didn't do six months of uh, of of shows on the Von Erichs, did we? Yeah, uh, and it was like, 
Well, that too. We're discovering that you know you guys and your prolific output and the the lengths and the the amount of time and how deep you guys go into anything is unparalleled, you know, in this space. But um, when when we were promoting the Von Erichs episode, you know, putting up our trailers and our you know clips, and uh, these fans were responding, being like, "Yeah, whatever." The Laps fan did it. Whatever. <laughs> you know. Sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, whatever. Just listen to Lapsman, you know. And uh, <laughs> and so I was like, "What the fuck is Lapsman?" And then, uh, and then uh, I started listening. And then when we in in earnest, I know I'm jumping every. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, please go, keep going. No, You're no, doing great. Dude. This is what we yeah. want. All yes. right, all talk right. about uh, us. That's right. <laughs> A little more. So, A little more. Okay, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> um, and then it was just kind of. Yeah, hearing from people that, you know, your guys' work is so thorough and and, and entertaining as well. And um, I just was like, when we finally decided to do the steroid trials, when the third season came around, okay, we've done 16 episodes of the show. We have to fucking do 14 more. Um, let's, let's uh, you know, yeah, let's, let's give this another shot. And mm. then I saw that around that time, shortly before that, maybe you guys were just wrapping it up. You had done this like insane, you know, fifty-seven part dive into both trials, you know, day by day, hour by hour, you know. Um, and so, anyway, uh, I just started listening, and I got caught up right in, literally from the beginning to the end. I swear, during the quarantine time, I heard, I would say, ninety percent of your eighty-seven hours on it, and and. It was awesome. I, I, I enjoyed it so much. And it really opened my eyes to, um, you know, just, uh, yeah, how much um, of the story there really is, you know, uh, which I knew would be really difficult for our show because it's not, I think a lot of people when they watch Dark Side of the Ring, like they, they expect that, you know, why isn't everything, you know, two, three, two hours, three hours, you know, and it's tough because, you know, the network doesn't want us to do two-parters usually because... Right, right want the number of stories you know so it's always a huge kind of pitch that goes into like i need more time you know and so with this it was like maybe we could get away with it as a two-parter um and we and you know maybe it should be but with this one it was like okay we got to tackle it in an hour and especially after listening to your guys's you know uh, unlimited hours of content it was like holy crap this is gonna be tough but um it really inspired us in a lot of ways in, in terms of just the different, you know, twists and turns of the story um, and the, the real dramatic side of the story. That was something I was kind of struggling with. I think when we looked at it in the season one, you know, what was I'm just going on and on. But the things that were really, really like dramatic, because that's what we look for. You know, the yeah, things that are, of course, really cinematic, dramatic, those touch points. It's not just like a listing of the facts. You know, our show, you know, is also about you know, kind of bringing these these moments to life and um, what were the big moments? What were the big dramatic moments of these stories? And, and yeah, I, I just didn't know. I, I learned so much. So um, that, that really did inspire us to be like, I can see how this can be done now, you right, know? Uh, right, And so, and then, of course, you really introduced me to Jerry McDivitt more so in terms of, you know, uh, as, a, as, you know, uh, an interesting personality and your guys' oh, take on man personality and how much you guys yeah your, your guys affection for him as a, as a personality is, is awesome and infectious there, there's something i need to know right off the bat because you've you've been in the room with him with jerry mcdivitt yes yeah 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 what is the energy like in the room with that man <laughs> jerry is a really um what, what really struck me about him is really how nice he is you know um and um and i'm not just saying that because you know i don't want to be you know <laughs> i'm not trying to you know kayfabe here like you know really super super nice approachable guy tall also very tall um and um yeah just i don't know we he he he's very proud of um his time at the company and his accomplishments and it was just cool to be you know just to you could like had this feeling of kind of talking to him about anything, you know, mm. and that, that, that is what struck me because I be from all the stuff from the show and the legend of, uh, uh, of Jerry McDivitt as, you know, someone who is kind of this ominous figure, you know, behind Vince McMahon, 
you know, <clears throat> and thinking like, oh, this could be, I don't know what to expect. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking intensity and I'm th- no very soft spoken and very approachable and nice um, guy. I don't know. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, it sounds kind of maybe like and, and that that just took me off guard. And that was cool. Yeah, because I, I would imagine I would imagine just feeling like I'm going to get attacked at any moment think, <laughs> if I was in the room with him <laughs> verbally, oh, no. maybe physically. I don't know. But he no. just seems so like he's got to me. I mean, obviously I'm wrong, but to me, I, I always imagine there's got to be this, 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 this ominous giant presence that just you feel and it's like holding you down. But I'm, I'm glad to hear that he has a nice side. Yeah. It's always kind of like, you know, it's like he kind of, he kind of talks to you like, you know, Evan, let me, let me tell you about that. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> and. <laughs> Let me just tell you the story. And so, and then he, and then it's very soft spoken, super easy to talk to, likes telling stories. And um, that's not really what I, yeah, envisioned, you know, mm. hearing all the stories over the years and just in, in terms of his stature and, and how long he's been there. And of course, as a Mark myself, you know, and, you know, all that. Um, but it was just a really cool experience. It was a really cool experience to kind of, you know, interview him again, a place I never thought. I mean, I could say that about every interview I've ever done on this show. <laughs> <clears throat> never thinking that, you know, having all these guys as, you know, action figures growing up and thinking you'd be in the same room sometimes as a surrogate, you know. Was there a Jerry McDevitt action figure? I must have missed that one. You didn't have that one? I didn't um, have that one. Oh, uh, that's, that's no. the Matlock toy, actually. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you know, so you're in the office. So you you met him in his um in his in his office, right? You didn't just Skype with him or or Zoom with him. No. So so um we interviewed him twice for the show because we covered so much, um so much ground on this episode in terms of you know both trials, the surrounding events, um and it was like we knew this would probably take like two solid three to four hour interviews in order just to get the whole story. Um, and, 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 and that's key because sometimes in our show, you know, we've learned over the years that you don't want to fatigue someone to the point of like where, you know, both parties are like, okay, when can we get out of here? (laughs) So we decided to pace it over two separate interviews. I was actually only in the room for one. And then I was Skyped in for the, for the second. Um, the first one was in Florida uh, he has a home down there, I think in Naples, if I remember correctly. And we did it uh, around there. And then the second one was done in Pittsburgh at his law office, um, mm. so, which I wasn't there, which I'm jealous of because it had all of the WWE stuff, you know, all the, all the, it had all, oh, it has the, you know, one of the, one of the cool things that you'll see in the show that he has is he has, um, and it's, it's, it's front and center in his office is he has the, the court sketch, um, that he must've gotten from one of the, you know, courtroom sketchers that he got, uh, of the moment the verdict was read. Mm. And so it's this amazing, wow. dr- dramatic drawing of him and Linda and Vince, um, uh, maybe Laura Brevetti, I can't remember, and they're all hut like they're all just like hu- like holding and hugging each other, and that he has that like on his in his office. Yeah, it's that's, awesome. That's so hard because you know there there's so many visual um, uh, pictures from this trial we have to paint because of course video cameras aren't allowed in federal courtrooms, and so you have just those courtroom sketches, and you have the descriptions of you know the Wade Kellers and the Dave Meltzers who were on hand, you know, yeah. with an eye to that detail, knowing the personalities, knowing who to look to for reaction and things like that. But it's kind of just like this foggy thing, you know, and it must be hard for you guys as documentarians to not have just, you know, no one's going to have this problem doing an OJ documentary. It's all on tape. Hmm. Right. No, good point. And that was something that um, I remember in the very beginning of uh, when we worked on the season last year of thinking about how we were going to accomplish all of that, especially with the voices that you would get to be in the show, because we, you know, our show depends obviously on the firsthand accounts of our subjects. We always go for the firsthand information um, if we can. I mean, very rare do we put a voice in the show that wasn't there for a particular thing. Um, and so I knew that it was so crucial to, 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 to have those voices that could be consistent throughout the whole program. 
Um, but I remember actually uh, after listening to your guys' uh, shows, uh, that really kind of brought to light a lot of different set pieces that would be great for the show. But also um, it was daunting because it was like uh, there's all these moments who's you know who's gonna remember them <laughs> you know like these who could describe little, what it actually looked right. like like those little moments those little those little details i wish someone would come off you know like off the top of my head i'm trying to think of one but just something that's like man that would be great if i could just you know if, if someone could speak to that but it was it was tricky you know but i i, I did see it more uh after yeah after your guys' show and then kind of researching a little bit more on my own and it was like wow this could be this is such a great story well, McDevitt does force one witness or another to give the exact fucking architectural blueprint <laughs> details of every building George Zahorian was ever in down in the That's hallway right. and how they curved and was yeah. it off to the right or the left? I know either is possible, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, it, so here you, here you are, you get Jerry. Um, was that sort of your first outreach or? Had you tried like Sean O'Shea and you already said you tried Sean O'Shea and George Zahorian. Was that only just for season one or did you try them again for this one? For season one, uh, yeah, season one, we tried to do the show. Like, like I said, just, you know, didn't get anywhere. Um, Talked to, I think we started, yeah, Sean O'Shea, George Zahorian, those types of names um, and didn't get anywhere. Either didn't get responses or, you know, quick hang ups on the phone. And, um, so, so going into season three, it was like, okay, well, let's try this fresh. And, um, so we talked to, you know, some of the, some of the wrestlers that were, that, that testified, you know, it's kind of, I think how we started, you know, we were able to get, you know, you'll see in the episode, you know, B Brian Blair is there who was testified at Jahorian's trial. Obviously you guys know this. Yep. yep. And, um, <clears throat> warlord we talked to and he, he gave us an interview. So you'll see him. Um, and then obviously we knew we had to get the dirt sheet writers who were there, the newsletter writers, because they were there every day. Um, or not all of them, but most of them were there quite frequently, you know, either for, you know, in, in John Rezzi's case, he was there. Um, I think a lot for Zahorian's trial, if I'm right. Right. I think so. Yeah. He was, uh, he was tailing superstar Billy Graham and like documenting his right. every step. Yeah. Right. Right. And then, um, and then Wade Keller was there, you know, uh, I think almost every single day for Vince's trial. Yep. And Dave Meltzer was there for most of Vince's trial. And um, so, you know, and, and that was an in, a, a perspective I knew was super important in the episode because, <clears throat> you know, the fan letters, the, the fanzines, sorry, um, the uh, those newsletters um, were so key in that it's like, and you guys touch on this too, is like the... The, the regular media doesn't understand wrestling and its lingo and, and the laws, and the, you know, the, <laughs> the unique nature, the singular nature of this universe, right? So I think there's so many things that probably would be glossed over by, you know, a, your standard everyday journalist covering a story like this. And so to me, it was always really interesting when you had these, uh, you, had, you, you had the newsletter writers um, kind of, you know, I, and I know it earlier on in their career, their stuff was more fanzine esque, and then it sort of became more journalistic, um, and it kind of around this time kind of was forced to, in a way, um, to kind of cover it more earnestly and more like this is, this is a huge breaking story, and we're going to cover every inch of it. And I think that's kind of a big turning point in the newsletters as well. Yeah, you know, at least that's the way I see it. And I thought that would be kind of interesting to. Um, uh, yeah, just have a good momentum to the storytelling. You know, here's yeah, John Arezzi, Wade Keller, Dave Meltzer, spotlighting that kind of the the sort of new the wrestling newsletter beat and how they're just kind of you know going to town on this thing and and really having to become a real journalistic voice in this whole story. So that was interesting to me as a side story. And then um, we needed, but but we needed somebody who was you know, a, a heavyweight in this story, you know, either one of the defense team members or, you know, uh, Vince McMahon seems like a stretch for us to get, you know? So, so, you know, we needed, we needed that. And, um, and then it was like, all right, call and Jerry, you know, see what happens. And, um, yeah, lo and behold, you know, spoke to his, um, spoke to his, his secretary, his assistant and, uh, took, took my message and he called me, pretty soon after and we talked for a while and you know and and immediately after we kind of first started talking he was he was already educating me on the story 
like immediately in terms of the wow. in terms of the history of steroids and you know the, what's interesting about this uh, story and and um and and everything and and I was like this is gonna be great you know and and for him it's a really significant moment in his life because did he go through the uh, the the layout of the of the arena with you too or is that just <laughs> not the try I, I got the full schematics I know exactly where it is. <laughs> No, uh, well, everything. So proud of that work. I mean, geez, we oh, we yeah. almost we almost couldn't like help but laugh when we were doing the the transcript recitals about how like man, this guy like he's got Gary Wadler up there, the the leading steroid expert in the country, proffered as such. He had yeah. helped put George Zahorian in jail by basically sitting up there and saying, you know, this is this is not legitimate physician behavior to give steroids mm-hmm. to people for the reasons he was giving them to them. And okay, sounds like mm-hmm. it sounds like we're putting them in jail to me. I mean, there's other <laughs> things, of course, the Bill Dunn tapes and everything, but they yeah. try to do that again in Vince's trial and trotted out Gary Wadler and man, Jerry McDevitt, like he's going to, I feel like he's going to beat this drum Evan for the rest of his life because mm. you know, the, the trial story is so much about Vince and Hulk and these big personalities. But for Jerry, it's about the research mm. he did on the history of the government's regulation of steroids. Yes. And like how many things he unearthed in that process through records requests and everything about how, yeah. how sort of lackadaisical the FDA was over the decades and basically saying you can use steroids for this, you can't use it for this, or not taking stuff off the market despite records indicating that they probably should have been taken off the market in terms of, you know, unclear effects on human health. And he's just like, this is no wonder he talked to you. You know, this is his life's work. He, 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 yeah. he bled so much on this thing. And this is that's a really good point. And one other thing too that I remember discussing with him is, uh, uh, you know, one thing that we always find in making this show that I think really is uh, uh, an aspect to it that makes it unique is we always try to get um, a perspective you haven't heard from or a, or a different, you know, perspective into the story. At least we try to, you know. Um, and with this story. It was kind of talking to Jerry and being like, no one's really heard you talk about this in, a, in you know, on a, on a, you know, I'm sure he's done a couple podcasts and some interviews along the way, but, you know, to really focus on, on him um, and, to, and, and to hear it from him in kind of a larger capacity and hear his perspective and, and kind of, because it is his, you know, a huge part of it is, obviously it's about Vince and his life, but you know, life being on the line, but I mean, Jerry put everything, you know, into this. And I think that to, to me was really interesting to, to come at it from that perspective. So let, let's be real. You didn't feel the least bit kind of intimidated that he, I Oh, of course I did. Okay, good, good. This is what we want oh, to hear. Oh, oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we've, ne- it, for us, it's, you know, we've, we've never really had much access to, uh, People on that side of the fence. Yeah, this is on, Vince's on, attorney. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, WWE people don't talk to you for this stuff. Yeah, no. Um, and so for us, it, it's kind of crossing a new line. You know, for us, it's kind of you know, and, and that to me was would, really exciting. Would he have to have asked Vince to permission to like say, "Hey, can I talk to these people?" I would only assume. I don't know, but I mean, I would only assume. You know. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean it's it's interesting. It's interesting that I don't know if he's because it's his own like because WWE is a client as opposed to like him actually right working. For yeah, them, he's he's not general counsel. He he's not right. like you know the full time go to Titan Towers every day and go into your office lawyer. He's he still works for a separate firm that they retain. So yeah, right. I'm sure in some ways as we talked about Evan just now. I mean he it's almost like, you know, I'm going to talk about this because I'm damn proud of it. And this is like, right. you know, I, I don't really need to run permission to, you know, celebrate my legacy through, through the people I, you know, successfully kept out of jail. Wouldn't surprise me if you didn't check with them. I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting, I'm sure for your purposes and, you know, thinking through like, did we actually kind of get a tacit okay here from, from Stanford? <laughs> That's kind of the green significant light, point. The green light from Stanford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah I'm I'm not sure um, but I think um, yeah I mean I I would tend to assume only just knowing how close they are but right um, you give again a heads up. yeah yeah maybe not but, asking for permission but maybe a heads up maybe yeah. I don't know yeah it's interesting to speculate but I'm not sure but 
Do you have a yeah. sense, Evan, of how they view this series? You know, I, a lot of people saw the A&E biography series as kind of an answer to Dark Side, um, how they framed a lot of it. So I think in the documentary series they came out with, uh, what do they call it, um, Legends, the one they did on Yoko, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's clear that they kind of saw what you guys were doing and took some, some cues from it. But, you know, it hasn't always, it, it's gone mm-hmm. head on, like the Benoit stuff, the Owen stuff. Uh, yeah. The Jimmy Snuka stuff, just right at some of the sensitive spots. Do you think they hate you guys or something less than that? Uh, you ever figure that out? I, I haven't. I haven't really heard directly, you know, what the opinion right. is <clears throat> of our show. I mean, I would only assume that it's it can't be great. Um, <laughs> I, I've heard I've heard from you know wrestlers who are over there, none of which I'll name, of course that have mentioned to in passing or in person or somewhere, you know, that they've liked the show Mm. Um, or some employees in passing that are like, I like the show, but I have to take my WWE hat off, you know, uh, a little bit. Of course. So I have, I have heard that. Um, So that would only tend to tend that I would tend to then feel that it's probably not looked at internally very well. But Mm. I think it has, I think one thing is I think with the A&E, documentaries with the legends pieces i think it's shown them in one way that there's a real demand for this i mean i think i think fans wrestling fans they love oh yeah you know yeah dives documentaries they want to learn more about the stories the history of wrestling i mean that almost in some ways now is overshadowing wrestling itself in a lot of ways yeah and i think that um i think that the success of our show i think has shown them that uh, and showing other networks that, uh, which I think is cool. I think, I think that's a, a a positive out of it is that it's showing that there's a real demand from the fan base. Like, yeah, we want to learn about Yokozuna. We want to learn about, you know, Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> you know, we want to learn about these things. And right, um, I think that's cool. Well, I mean, he said it, boss. I mean, Warlord, yeah. come on. Oh. <laughs> All right, Evan. Yes. What's what, I, mean, I, I assume you met him at his house or something? Every detail you can remember about. Does he have a house? <laughs> So is normally, it, normally, uh, let me <laughs> let me preface. Well, Jerry sent me the blueprints, and I saw it. I mean, <laughs> uh, the underground tunnel to find Warlord. Yeah, yeah it's very yeah. MC well Escher. Um, no, so uh, so this year, let me just preface by saying was extremely challenging to produce. Oh yeah, because sure, of sure. because of the pandemic. Uh, normally. I would be uh, Jason, who's my business partner, making the show with us. You know, we would be traveling together everywhere, flying, you know, attached at the hip to make this show. And that was just impossible. Not only because I'm American, he's Canadian, crossing the border during this is impossible. So we really had to, um, we really had to uh, create other crews, satellite crews, get field producers. And then we had to use a lot of, yeah, Zooming and Skyping in. I mean, all the interviews were done in person, but we not, I, I couldn't be there all the time. Because of just the way it was. And we actually, instead of flying, for 14 episodes of this show, 14 hours of the show, we drove an RV across country several times. And we did it all on the road. And it was that was an experience in and of itself. Um, <clears throat> but so, so we couldn't be everywhere all the time. So some of the interviews, I wasn't there. I only either Skyped in or I wasn't even, uh, you know, I was Skyping into Japan where, you know, we're interviewing, uh, you know, um, at Sushi Onita or, you know, some, you know, something else. So there's a lot happening in order to get this done. And so I, I wasn't present for all the interviews and Warlord was one of the ones, unfortunately I was not. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you know, seen the interview and, um, and, and yeah, I think the one kind of takeaway with Warlord, um, is that I think seeing his interview that I think he feels bad still about having to testify um, against Vince and the company. Um, Because I think he was pretty, the way he came off to me, at least in the interview, was very pro, you know, um, the company and everything that had happened during that time. And he feels bad. And he had, he's never had the opportunity to talk to Vince after this. And I think he, he, he feels bad if there's any ill will. You know, I remember that was kind of sad to me. You know, in terms of um, in terms of that, it came off as sad, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't mean that in a smart ass way. But that that was kind of his disposition, uh, like kind of like sullen no, about no, it. No, no, that wasn't like all of his disposition. No, he's very upbeat. You know. Oh, okay, yeah. He still he you know yeah he 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 was he was he was cool and um. What about what about uh, what about the other Terry? 
Terry Balea. Yeah. Terry, Terry Balea. Balea. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, you guys got Austin, so the, the, the gears start turning in my head. You know what I mean? How, how far can they go based on subject matter? Yeah. I mean, it's a dream. You know, we'd love to interview Hulk for the show. Um, we tried on season one when we were nobodies, like total nobodies, um, and uh, it didn't work. And it was for the Randy Savage piece that we did. Right. Um, couldn't get him. And so, uh, and then I had a thought in season two that like would, would Hogan want to talk uh, about Dr. D David Schultz? And then I got a quick, like, no, there's no fucking way he's going to want to talk about Dr. <laughs> D David Schultz. So I was like, okay, fine. And then um, I did try through a uh, mutual friend to see if I could get him for this episode. And, um, and uh, was told it's not going to work for me, brother. Uh, and <laughs> it didn't, didn't work for me. Uh, so, but yeah, that, that, that's a dream. Like it would be awesome to interview him at some point for something. Of course. Yeah. His frame of mind walking into that courtroom, you know, he's talked about it, but not in a way where it's like, sit down, let's talk only about this day. You know what I mean? I know. I know that could be, it's just own episode. Yeah. For right. sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure when you get yeah. him, you can make a whole episode out of several things Hope- he says. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully in his biopic, they, they make that a big dramatic moment. Right. Hopefully, uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth can play it off. <laughs> yeah. Hope. It's the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast with Jack Encarnacio and JP Sorrow. It's the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I, I had a question. I'm curious about about your the the process of the show, like. Um, how how long do you prep? How long do you go out and shoot interviews? Like, what's the process in in creating uh, a season of your of your shows? It's like just from the from the top, like from the yeah. very from the very like, beginning. Like, how do yeah? How do you choose? How do you choose your topics? Well, like the very first season, um, we had thought we had put a lot of thought into because it just took a while to get the show off the ground. And um, again, another podcast influenced us greatly in the beginning. Uh, you know, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Sure, take um, that, JP. There you go. <coughs> Your boy. Uh, Your boy. Fucking yeah. motherfucking piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> I don't know how many episodes you've listened to, Evan, but that's a trigger warning right there for one okay. JP. Can't oh, I didn't. It, oh, it, really? It's okay. It's okay. kayfabe. It's kayfabe. It's, yeah, it's okay. okay. I'm just kidding. No, well, the actual episode that really inspired me a lot was the Gina Hernandez episode. Oh, sorry, the mm-hmm. Houston Wrestling episode. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That that was really cool to me, and I didn't know a whole lot about it, and at the time, and that was when I first heard about Gina Hernandez, and it just sounded like, wow, this is a story that is sounds just has all the ingredients of some, you know something extremely intriguing, and wanted to know more about it instantaneously, and that's what ultimately drove us to do it. Um, and so, like that was that's one end of it, and then also uh, it's funny because the first season we really were like thinking not really about the wrestling fan as much. We were thinking about the non wrestling fan, sure. And we were, we want to make that definitive wrestling doc series very ambitious, but like we want to make that definitive like this you know HBO here's the wrestling doc series you know about all the big stories that was kind of the yeah. way we thought about it in the beginning and it was like that's why I think Montreal Screwjob really kind of crept in there because it was like here's a story you know wrestling fans are sick of it but if you don't know anything about this world especially how the backstage like politics work and everything works um, you could find out all about that because the story is a great primer into that world. And, and, um, and so it, it was kind of like building a season from the perspective of somebody who doesn't know anything about any of this. But the mm-hmm. Bruiser Brody story was really the one that hooked us from the very, very beginning because that is how we arrived at the idea for the show in general, which was taking influences of true crime documentary filmmaking because we're obsessed with Errol Morris's The Thin Blue Line. It's like one of our favorite movies of all time. Oh, wow. And it was... Yeah. It was I just want to see wrestling documentaries uh, like like I want to see shoot interviews mixed with the thin blue line. That's like that's all, all it was, you know, um, and then it was like the Bruiser Brody story was perfect for that because it was this ex- like a, 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 mur- a murder story yep. set in the world of a kayfabe locker room. And it was 
and and that to me was just a really cool hybrid wrestling meets true crime that's a cool idea and then that's where it kind of and then it blossomed into well <clears throat> how many true crime stories are there and then can we sort of also lump in the ones that are just really significant to this world that showcase a human side of out of the ring sort of um you know dr- dramatic story but it's dark and and yeah and that's how we arrived at that um and then season two was all about just building we thought it'd be the, the, we, we'd only do two seasons we thought you know end of season two that'll be it we'll move on to something else so when it came time to season two it was like um there's a couple holdover episodes in season two that were supposed to be in season one that was the brawl for all and uh, uh dino bravo <clears throat> so we finished those okay. and then it, with the rest of it was like if we never get to make another episode of the show what are the ones that we gotta make so we don't regret and uh, that was kind of everything else that you saw and then season three was like a blank slate of like <clears throat> oh my god we have 14 episodes to fill and then it was just kind of along the way like we knew kind of that like from the beginning we knew we wanted to do Brian Pillman because we also wanted to do that in season two and then it was like there's a couple other ones uh, there was a lot of fantasy booking ones. Like we 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 were like, man, it'd be so amazing to do the story of Grizzly Smith and you know Jake's family, and to do that story if we could get everybody on board. But then it was like discovery along the way. Everyone pitching ideas, pitching their episodes they wanted to see, and 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 then and then we looked at it and we always are thinking of the non wrestling fan. We're like, is this yeah. going to you know intrigue somebody is it going to bore you know is it not going to be boring is it going to have all the the points that are going to captivate your average viewer and who's alive to tell the story who's available who's do we have access to and then it's like all right we got it let's go and then we move at the speed of light basically <laughs> wow that's great so looking and, and go ahead Bob. i'm just curious too like what what so like when you guys are 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 shooting interviews and 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 whatnot like how <clears throat> how long is that are you, are you, when, by the time you're shooting interviews and, 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 and kind of putting it together, are you just getting whatever you can from, for whatever episode that you're doing? Or do you, do you work like we're doing this mm. show right now? We're going to do these interviews this week. Next week, we're going to do this episode. You know, I don't know, I know that you, like, you know, the process is not that you guys are making these episodes each week as they come along, but, like in in when when you are in i guess production so to speak yeah i hope this isn't a boring explanation but <clears throat> the thing is is that um i wish that the show could be made in a way that we could um not have to make every goddamn thing at once <laughs> you know <laughs> right right like, yeah cuz you have you sit I with can't. like you sit with an interview guy oh. and you've got to ask him about four different episodes Sometimes you don't even know. Sometimes like, oh, we just were there, and I wish I could have asked him about that because we didn't know we were doing that yet, and we have to go. We have to go back. So oh. it, it's it's that's the one thing I think that'd be really surprising to a lot of people. Just I actually think, honestly, that if a if a if a more seasoned showrunner, someone who's been around for a long time, made a lot of TV, came and saw what we are trying to do, <laughs> uh, they would be yeah. like, "You guys are out of your fucking mind." In terms of <laughs> In terms of in terms of the the travel load, the short development yeah. time, the um, the how fast it is, how many weeks we have to really put this thing together and shoot it, reenactments, making costumes, you know, it's 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 pure chaos. Um, but wow. the thing is that we don't I mean, it, honestly, you know, that sounds like a crazy amount of fun. To be honest with you, no, 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 I'm not trying like to that, complain. That chaos uh, sounds like so. I, I mean, I can imagine. I mean, you wouldn't do it if you weren't having fun with it. I know that. Of course, um, but am I, am you know, I from like that just sounds like you know just kind of always being on your toes and and yeah. and that that yeah. stuff I I find to be so exciting when when you're in the thick of it. Oh, a hundred percent, and especially like when you get a story that you know you 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 don't you didn't know anything about when you went into it. Those yeah. are the best ones. Yes. Like sometimes like yes. like steroid trials, it's a story that you know, has, uh, there's been a lot of reporting on it. There's a lot of information out there. It's kind of all about collecting all the information and organizing it. And sometimes, and sometimes you'll find things that are new, of course. But when there's a story like a Gino Hernandez or like uh, a Herb Abrams, you know, for example, something where like there isn't much out there and you're going in and you're really talking to people and putting, getting the story in real time. And there's some major development, like with Gino Hernandez, the day in the office, we found the guy who, 
you know, was alleged people thought had killed him, you know, and like in those moments, th- those are the best, you know, when, when I, I, I got to tell you, cause we had, I, I think we were, I don't know if we were in the middle of it or we just finished doing, we had finished it. Yeah. We'd finished it doing world-class. And so to see, I, I, so I, I, during, during world-class, I became a huge fan of Gino Hernandez and I'm not having oh, yeah. known him before. Um, yeah. and so when, when I knew, when I heard you guys were doing an episode on him, and on his death, I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be yeah. incredible. And I was like, yeah. I was glued. I was glued because I, I wanted more, I've, uh, you know, I wanted more information. He's a guy that I, I thought was so charismatic that it, it you know, he could have had a, a huge career. And no doubt. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I loved I loved I loved that episode. Yeah. And that one's very personal to me, too, in, in a lot of ways, because it was you know, we pitched it to, to, I remember pitching it to the network and all I had was the Bruce Pritchard podcast was like, mm. there's, you know, sorry to trigger you over again, but the thing is, is like, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> but the thing was like, he, um, like there's rumor, it's all rumor and innuendo, that right. story of right. like, you know, uh, he might've died, you know, he might've just OD'd and there's no, uh, you know, crazy conspiracy here. Um, and so we, we might've just, you know, spent the money, embarked on the journey and found nothing, you know, and that would have been it. And the family wasn't talking to us. And then when we actually were able to break through to the family and I'll never forget that, that day in the office, when we spoke to Gino's mom, who we couldn't believe was still alive, that was a shock. And then it was like, and she told us that she'd stared her son's killer in the eyes and knows his name and knows where he lives. And I was like, Oh my God, we'll be right there. You know, it was this crazy moment. And, and then going there and then, and then she actually wound up actually pulling out of the interview at the last moment. And I was really upset because I was like, Oh man, this is, you know, that was like when my first experience with like how sensitive this stuff really is that we're really talking about here. And we can't be, you know, really insensitive vultures, you know, circling these stories. And, you know, there are real human beings at stake. And that's where I really learned that. And it was like, all right, well, screw that. I'm just going to go and hang out with this family for a day, get to know them, no cameras, and let's get to, let, let's get to know each other as people. And that's what we really did. So we really got to know them and we're very close to them before they could open up to us about the story because they literally thought that like, the, you know, some organized crime underworld was going to come and kill them. You know, that's literally what they thought. And so it was really heavy. And then, um, yeah, so that, that, that whole experience was like one of the first where it was like, wow, this is not just some wrestling show we're making here. This is something a little bit bigger. And then you, you know? can play the tape for the mother of the guy that she thought killed her son <clears throat> saying, I, that was, I can assure you that that's not what happened. And she believed that, it. That was, that was, I think, maybe the experience of making the Chris Benoit show probably is, comes, a, it was a little heavier, but that experience, no, that I think the Gino one is the heaviest because it was, I had met the anonymous voice in that show, the guy you hear who was an accomplice of um uh, of Gino's during the the uh whatever you know illicit drug trade they were involved yeah. in mm-hmm. I I had met him uh, in person uh and we talked at length and it was really trying to convince him like you know you don't understand like this family thinks that you are going to come and kill them you know like that's what's going to happen here and 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 uh, cuz he didn't want to do the interview because he had moved on. That's part of his past. He had mm. children and they were had, you know, professional jobs and he didn't want to, you know, ruin anything for them. If, if, you know, he, he kind of talked and exposed about this weird life he had before. And I was like, no, 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 but this, this is, this is not about, this is about something bigger than that. And then he realized that like, oh, okay, I need to do this for her. And so then the compromise was if I can be anonymous, then I'll do it. And then it was like, that's amazing. And I remember when he did the interview, because in the episode, you only see it for like 30 seconds. Yeah. But he actually right. goes on for like 40 minutes telling oh the whole Oh, my God, story. really? That I didn't oh. know. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, I know, we should do something with that for sure. And, and His and, mom and, must have been a wreck for 40 minutes. Oh, my God. It was like 30, yeah, 30 or 40 minutes. And, um, but, 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 yeah, it's not just all the bad. It was also right. good. You know, it was like how much I loved him. 
and how what a great guy he was, and um, how much time we spent together. And and I think it was important that he did that because he really painted a portrait of like I'm not because a lot of people you see the episode and like oh that guy's full of shit man he killed him you know yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah. right like, no, right no he's really telling like a human story about like how much their friendship meant you know to him and uh, and and you really get a sense from listening to it that um and she's not listening to it you know where it sounds like you know whatever right she's, she's listening to it you know she's listening to his voice yeah so <laughs> um so she could tell instantaneously that you know she's not being worked so to speak um mm-hmm. and you know and, and that was that was just like yeah and then and then having to be like okay i'm going to play you this tape it's so dramatic it's like you know i got to i'm going to fly out here to play you this thing and you know are you comfortable with this on camera and she said yes and so brave to do that um and i think sure. that added so much to the episode obviously of just being able to and oh, and it's been huge great. yeah yeah just to see her like with like having that weight lifted off her shoulder and it's been incredibly hard for her and and she has a whole other story she has a her whole other life you know because she was married to luis hernandez the wrestler and you know she has just a whole other story and then we learned from dark side of the uh, dark side of the ring confidential that she was also married question mark to jimmy snooka as well and when we learned that yes that is one of the craziest things that i've ever heard in my entire life wrestling pal welcome to wrestling yeah somehow well, we've uh, we've talked about a broad swath of the subject matter that you've covered. Uh, we'll we'll close with asking you to put, you know, certainly the episode hasn't hit the streets, so you don't have the the same flavor for how it was received or what the final product is necessarily. But just talk about, if you could, for us the steroid trials and all the things you guys have covered. What's unique about it? You know, don't you don't have to say it's the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever. Just you, <laughs> what, what stood out the most about this episode in terms of a unique challenge and you know the characters at play. Oh. Well, I'm I'm really glad we were able to finally do it. Um, I think that it, it it feels like again, if season three is the last season, you never know. Uh, it, it it helps you know make the show feel complete to me. That the, that season three is also ending. This monstrous season is ending with this monstrous story. You know, I think is uh and kind of you know Vince is an omnipresent force in the show. He's a, a character that comes in and out of a lot of different episodes. And I think that this one is being mostly about him, I think is, um, is appropriate, uh, to end the season on. Um, to me, this was a very challenging episode to make. I would rank it in terms of probably some of the, one of the most challenging episodes we've ever had to, 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 to put together for many reasons, not only just trying to get people to talk, which was hard over the years, um, but trying to editorialize it to the point of where it's going to fit in our format that's really been hard um and um yeah picking like you know you guys did a million hours on it and trying to find the best hour you know out of that to to really distill it and to make it accessible for everyone um but to me it's a really thrilling story because again it's such a massive story in wrestling especially in that time period fascinating it covers such a fascinating when wrestling was on fire in the 80s and then when obviously it's going into kind of a more of a downturn in the mid 90s. Um, it's a very fascinating time in wrestling. And I think a lot of wrestling fans, man, if you're if you're uh, I think there's a huge subset of fans, especially a couple generations of fans that don't really know anything about this or don't know. I, I would say even just like the the like log line of what had happened, you know? So I think right. for a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, more modern day fans, uh, younger fans, I think this is going to be a story where you're going to be like, well, I didn't know anything about this. This is wild that, and it's one of the big, what if stories of wrestling too. Like if, if one detail of this kind of went the other direction, we could be looking at like a different landscape of wrestling, you know, at least for a period of time, you know? And I think that's really fascinating. Um, and I think for us, it's a mile, it's a milestone in that, someone from the WWE side is on our cameras and, and telling, sure. sharing their experience. And I think that's, that's a, that's, that's really cool. And I'm proud of that. And, um, I don't know. I think it's, I, I think it's, I, I, I hope it lives up. I hope it lives up to, you know, the work you guys have done. And, and of course, um, uh, the work, you know, just in terms of the, the stature of the story. Um, but, uh, it's something I'm really excited about to unveil because I think it's, um, it's been a unique challenge, but I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm rambling. I'm I'm, I'm excited. Well, well boss, <laughs> boss, what do you think? Did, did he kiss the ring sufficiently? Can we let him go? I think he did all right. I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll allow it. Oh, my God. No, seriously, guys. Like, yeah, uh, awesome. I, I can't remember if we actually 
like because you guys were at the star cat one of the star casts yes right? we were yes we, we Couple, yeah. i think we did cross paths i think we oh, did is this why this is triggering no well word was going around at Starcast that um folks had a lead on the transcript Maybe oh, you right. caught wind of that. Do you remember this, boss? This really formed. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, there, there was something. Who's going to do it? Who's got the nuts? Who's got the yeah. funds? Yeah. Who's got the means? <laughs> yeah. Who's got the, the guile? Well, there can only be one answer. That's right. And here we are. Dark side of the and ring. The moment, the moment that, we, that, that, that we found out that it was possible, it was like, just. Let, let's get that give, fucking Give him the fucking money. That's give him the fucking money. Get it. That's right, and then we made hay out of it, and now it's going to, yeah. uh, in a, in its own way, be be immortalized. So, an absolute pleasure to uh, be of service, Evan. I mean, it's been incredible work. Uh, who well, knows? we should talk about that. We should talk about you know the yeah, fact that sure. you know uh, that that you know Jack, you've helped us you know uh, a lot with the episode in terms of um, research I, ideas, uh, you know, checking certain facts. I mean, it's you know you, you you've been in it. So much you both have, and and it's just it's been an incredible help to us. When you know, as you know, doing everything at once, it's it's helped to uh, use you guys as a resource, and we really appreciate that. Oh yeah, well thanks. It, it's well, been a pleasure. Yeah, in, in service our to the pleasure, absolutely. In service to the story, you know, it's like if we're going to spend all that time, and somebody else is going to take a bite at the apple, we might as well <laughs> make sure it's a good bite, right? <laughs> yeah. A yeah. Representative bite. Yeah. So, uh, absolute pleasure. So, yes, th this is uh, an official bulletin to the lapsed fan solar system that the upcoming Dark Side of the Ring episode on the steroid trials is indeed TLF approved. Um, indeed. Evan has taken the time to come on the show, acknowledge uh, what it is we did, and, uh, and take it to another level. Um, it's going to be fascinating to hear from Jerry and all these other characters. And hopefully I'm excited to see it. So, let, let's, let's rat out on this. Netflix, right? Um, coming out with their multi-part series. This happens to you a lot. <laughs> you guys touch a subject and uh, other people want to taste. Um, well, well, there's the there's the there's the Vince McMahon documentary, right? Which we know from Netflix. Yeah. And then there's the uh, in development Blumhouse co-production. That's right. I did conflate the two. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, steroid trials. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, that, and and that's the thing. It's like when you know when we did the two warrior docs, we didn't know that each other was making a, a different piece. And I think it's it's always interesting to see two two different pieces, you know. <laughs> and and somewhere in the middle, you'll probably get you know uh, a, a a clear picture. And I, I I don't know. I just think that's really fun. So there's a lot of comparing and contrasting to come. Um, and uh, again, Evan Husney co-creator of Dark Side of the Ring episode will drop the final episode of season three uh, coming up towards the end of October. Um, the Trial of His Life becomes the Steroid Trials episode and proud to, uh, to be in concert, Evan. Best of luck with it. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast with Jack Encarnacio and J.P. Sorrow.